Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Thank you, Candice. You can be seated. Perfect. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we count it a blessing to come now before your word, and we pray, God, uh, that the same Spirit who raised your Son from the dead, who brought uh, life to dead bones, the same Spirit who brought life uh, to dead hearts, to all those of us who have come to trust in you and be saved by faith, God, we pray that same Spirit would be alive uh, and working and active in our hearts even today. God, we, we trust that you are with us. And we are grateful, God. We're so, so grateful that you continue to speak to us and lead us. We love you and we need you every day. In Christ's name, amen. I, uh, I tend to be kind of negative about social media. Uh, maybe I'm just grumpy. But uh, there are, I have to admit, a number of good things uh, about social media. And one of them is the platform to share things that we love. So we all have this, uh, I think, natural and even God-given desire that when we love something, we want to share it. We want to tell somebody about it. And so uh, I enjoy uh, being able to look back, as usually my wife, not me, has shared, you know, hey, this is a picture from two years ago, three years ago, whatever else that shows up on social media that we shared and we were excited about with our kids. I like seeing pictures of your kids and your vacations and, and exciting things that are going on in your life. I enjoy being able to share in the things that you enjoy because you shared them. And that's something we all do. We have this desire to share things that we love. Of course, that's been going on a lot longer than just social media. We do this uh, with people that are around us. We'll make phone calls, whatever, to share things we're excited about. C.S. Lewis, who was, you know, 50, 60 years ago, uh, said, he wrote this in a, a book about the Psalms. He said, all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. I think that's so good. If we truly enjoy something, the, the natural overflow of that is to praise it. So think about two people who, who fall in love and the way they talk about each other or people who are enjoying, they're out for a walk on a beautiful day like today and you, you talk about, you just, you praise it. You, you're thanking God or even if you non-Christians are saying, this is beautiful. You're praising things that you like. People praise their favorite sports teams. They pray, you praise, uh, you know, exciting things at work. You're excited about uh, food or a restaurant or some game you're playing. Uh, the, when we enjoy something, we love to share it. We love to talk about it. We share the things that we enjoy. And the natural overflow of that is to then invite others to do the same thing. C.S. Lewis uh, continued in that, uh, when he's talking about the Psalms, but he says, um, Just as people spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that's magnificent? When you love something, when you enjoy it, you desire to share it, and you desire that other people would share that same pleasure and that same joy. 
If you're a Christian, if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, then the, the natural overflow is that we want to share that with other people. Being a Christian means you know the Savior of the world personally. You have a relationship with Him. There is no greater joy, there's no greater delight than knowing Him and being with Him. And so the natural overflow of that is praising Him and inviting others. Say, isn't, isn't Jesus great? And if you're, if you're a Christian, then you know, and we should know, the depth of our sin and how we have rejected God on our own. We should know the grace and the power and the mercy of what God has done in sending His only Son to show us incredible love. We should know the, the depth of His love that He's displayed on the cross when He died for our sins. We should know the, the power He has when He resurrected from the grave. We should have experienced the grace of receiving that and following Him and becoming one of His disciples. And if you know that, if you have that love, then the natural overflow of that is to share it. Of course, for many of us, when you think about telling somebody else about Jesus, you get scared or intimidated and you think, I, I, I don't want to offend people, I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass myself, and I'm not sure I really know enough about being a Christian to share. But, but if we get just so caught up in that, we, we forget the foundational thing of this, that we, we're just telling you something I love. We have no problem talking about our favorite team or our kids or something else. And if we can just go back to remembering this is our first love, Jesus, then we have something to share. Of course, the Bible, and as we experience Christ together, we, there's a heightened need for that, isn't there? Because Jesus told His disciples, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, being a Christian isn't like saying, hey, you know, I, I, like, I like baseball, and you like football, and each his own. No, there's, there's just one God who created the whole world. And when we sinned against Him, we rejected that one God. But being a Christian means we recognize that one God has made a way for salvation through His only Son, Jesus. So there's only one way to having eternal joy and eternal life. And turning to anything else is a continued rebellion against that one God. So when we share about this joy, it's important. It's necessary. Because if people don't know this, they'll never find eternal joy. Being a Christian, we share the things we love. We share Jesus, and people desperately need it. For many of us, that seems scary or intimidating, but there's a great hope in this. There's a great hope as you share, because you see, the good news of the gospel is that this is for all kinds of different people. What I want you to see, and I put in your, uh, your outline, and if you've got a bulletin today, is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what Romans 10 tells us as Paul is writing this to the church in Rome. And he says in verse 12, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. So if, if you're a Christian, you have the joy and the privilege of walking with Him, and you can share that with all kinds of different people. No matter where you've come from, no matter your background, no matter your language, no matter your, your skin color, no matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes you have, no matter how much money you have, no matter any of that, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What, what a blessing, what hope, what encouragement. If salvation was limited to only people who had cleaned up their life or only come from a certain type of place, then, then we'd be scared to share it or we would, we would say, I'm not sure you know, if I can share it with you or not. No, this, this is, we don't have to keep this to ourselves. This is for all kinds of people. Everybody who calls on the name 
of the Lord will be saved. When we call on the name of the Lord, that's not, that's not some kind of like magical incantation that you read out of a spell book. That's not what he's talking about, calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord is an expression of faith. It's saying, I, I need somebody to save me. To call on the Lord is to say, I, I am a sinner. I have messed up. I have rejected the God of the universe, and I need somebody else to come and to rescue me. Calling on the Lord is doing just that, is saying, the, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over my life. He's Lord over all things. And apart from His grace, apart from His work, I could not be saved. Everybody who can say that, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, and Jesus is it. That's where salvation is found. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's an encouragement to us today. And then I, I want to tell you that, and then I want to push you a little bit. I want to push you just a little bit today. Okay, maybe a lot, but I'm going to start with just a little. There are, Google tells me this week, approximately 7.9 billion people in the world. Like, I can't really get my head around that, but that's what Google tells me. 7.9 billion of them. And the, the kind of the conservative estimate, estimate, like everybody who claims to be a Christian, it's about 2.5 billion people in the world. Again, those numbers, I know they don't really make sense. That's a lot of people, right? A lot of people claim to be Christian. Now, I want you to imagine the greatest revival ever. Like you just, what I just told you, you tell to everybody else. Hey, everybody who calls in the name of the Lord be saved. You tell that to everybody that's in your family who doesn't already know Jesus, everybody who's at your work, everybody who is a, a parent of one of your kids' soccer teams, or whatever, everybody you know. You tell everybody, and here's the miracle. All of them turn from their sins and become Christians. All of them. And not just you, but every single Christian in the entire world does that. They tell everybody they know, about Jesus, and all of them become Christians. And not to, it doesn't stop there. Not just the people they know, they also tell everybody that passes them in a restaurant or in a street corner or just happens to bump into them, you know, outside wherever. You tell all of them, and all of them become Christians. Wouldn't that be incredible? That would be amazing. But you know what the tragedy is? There would still be three billion people in the world who don't know Jesus. Can you imagine that? If every single Christian tells every single person they know, hey, Everybody who calls the name of the Lord be saved. And all of them call the name of the Lord. And all of them are saved. There still will be over 3 billion people who will be living a life apart from God and destined to an eternity without Him. Can you feel the gravity of that? We are so blessed to know Him. We're so blessed. We have this joy and this love. And there's so many people who don't know. There are so many people who don't know. I'm quoting those numbers from the Joshua Project. They're one, minute, one ministry among others, and others will give you kind of those same ballpark figures. But they estimate somewhere around 3 billion people are unreached peoples, meaning there is not a, a viable gospel movement or gospel presence in anybody around them, anybody that knows them, anybody that there's not a, there's not a church. There's, it's, not that, it's not that they have heard Jesus and they've rejected him. It's that they don't know Jesus, they don't know a Christian, and they don't know where they could find a Christian. They're completely unreached by the gospel. Now that numbers, again, can be kind of confusing. So I want to put three billion in perspective for just, just a second. If you lined up three billion people where one person would just have their hand uh, on the person in front of them, right, and just made a, made a one continuous line, that line would wrap all the way around the globe 50 times. That's how many three billion is. Or put it in perspective, if, if you said every person's name, three billion people's names, 
every second. So instead of saying one Mississippi, two Mississippi, you said Jeremy and Caitlin, Aaron, Stacy, Alex, one a second. You know how long it would take you to say three billion names? It would take you 95 years and 47 days. That's how many three billion is. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So I'm pushing you with that just a little bit today to say we've got some good news. We've got some really good news. And there are 97 years and 47 days worth of people who don't know it and don't even have access to that news. Romans 10, 14 says, How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? The challenge of our world today is that people can't call on somebody they don't know and they've never heard of. And we've got an opportunity to share it. You can't call on somebody you've never heard of, you're never hearing them unless somebody preaches. And that's why missions exist. That's why missions exist. There are billions of people in the world who don't call on Christ for salvation. They don't lay their lives at His feet. They don't walk with Him and enjoy the, the peace and the, 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 the delight it is to know Him. They don't, they don't have everlasting and eternal joy. And they've never had the opportunity to hear it. Because they've never been preached to. And they've never believed. And they've never called on Him. And so the, the, the push of the New Testament especially, but all the Bible, is to, to share that. To share that message with people who don't yet know Him. So my challenge you today is to go. The church is called to go. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And because many have yet not heard Him and have not been preached to, somebody's got to go. A lot of somebody's got to go. That's how William Carey responded in the late 1700s. Uh, he was born in rural England in 1761. And after becoming a Christian and spending some time in his Bible and uh, spending some time with other people, he found something very strange. His church and his whole denomination really didn't send people with the gospel anywhere. And he was reading the, the Great Commission where Jesus says to go and make disciples of, of all nations. And he's like, well, we're, we're not doing that. We're just here in England. And so he wrote a, 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 an essay essentially in 1792 that was transformative in the way the church at the time did missions. And he said, hey, we as a church need to be going and making disciples of all nations, not just right here, but everywhere. And he lived that out, took up his own challenge in 1763. He and his family and another family set sail for India, and they didn't come home. William Carey lived in India for 41 years with a sole purpose of leading people to the Lord. And it was really hard, really, really hard. His family experienced all kinds of tragedy and sickness and death, and it took seven years for the per first person in India to come to know the Lord. Seven years before anybody trusted in him. But the fruit did come. By the end of his life, over 700 people had given their life to Christ. And William Carey's uh, contribution to the, the, the church at large was that he had translated the Bible into six of the languages of India. And he had translated parts of the Bible into 209 different languages and dialects. He contributed major reforms to, to the nation of India, to all kinds of practices that were evil there, and he influenced generations and generations of missionaries because up until his point, it had been hundreds of years before anybody had done missions like him. Where you go, 
with no plans to return anytime soon, to be, this is making a new home in a foreign country, learn the language, learn the culture, so that people can hear the gospel and be saved. So William Carey is called the father of modern missions because for the first time in a long time, he led that movement. We need more William Careys today. We need more people to go with the gospel because there are billions who don't yet know. Some people will hear that challenge of doing missions and say, yeah, that, that sounds hard and sounds like there's a lot of work to be done. And listen, couldn't, there's lots of lost people right here around me. Well, why, why would I go through that effort when I've got lost people right here? Well, two answers to that. One is, well, Jesus said so. You know, like He says, go make disciples of all nations. You know, it's better to just err on the side of obedience than to like, argue with Jesus. But the other thing is, we, we live here, right? We, we live here. I spend almost all my time in Fountain Inn, like I, I sleep in Quail Run, like almost every day of the year, except for a few times I'm not there. So we are doing our job, Lord willing, to make disciples right here most of the time. So it's okay if sometimes we also make disciples elsewhere. It should be a both end. It should be a both end. We should absolutely be giving it all to the lost here in our, our little corner of Greenville County, and we should be making disciples of all nations. It should be of both and. The sign of a healthy church is not just that more and more people come to one, one address at 412 Fairview Street Extension and more and more people come to know the Lord here. That is a sign, but it's not the only thing needed for a healthy church. If we only ever come here, then we're not fully following Christ. Jesus said, yes, gather, and yes, go. Gather and go. It should be a both and. We should see lost people in Fountain Inn and Great Court and Greenville and all the places around us. We should see lost people coming to know Jesus and we should be sending out people to make a difference for the sake of the gospel in all corners. It's only possible, the only way people who, the only way people who don't yet know him come to know him is if somebody goes. And for somebody to go, there's another important part of that process. We just read in Romans 10, 14, how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching? And then in verse 15, we read this, how are they to preach unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. In the work of missions, sending the gospel to all nations, it's only possible if somebody goes to the nations. But the only way they can go is if they're sent. The only way they can go is if they're sent. So I'm challenging some people need to go and some people need to send. That's in your bulletin today too, send. How are they to preach unless they are sent? We're called to make disciples of all nations. Some people got to go, some people got to send. Many times when we read the Bible, I don't know if this is American culture or what, but we, we first think of, of, of me, right? We first think I. And there's truth to that. We got to apply this to ourselves. What am I supposed to do? What am I, how am I supposed to respond? We should, we should think that, but we shouldn't stop there. We should also think in the we. We are the local church and we obey the, the gospel, obey the, the commands of scripture together. And missions is a great example of that. You could never make it as a lone wolf Christian and obeying much of the, the, what the Bible has to say, but especially when it comes to this, when it comes to sharing the gospel with all nations. For one, you can't be in all nations at one time. But also, you can't go unless somebody's helping you, unless somebody's sending you. We are called to, collectively as the body of Christ to do the work of missions as the local church, to be going and to be sending. William Carey was the founder, or the, kind of the father of modern missions. And William Carey never would have been able to do with he, what he did without a man named Andrew Fuller. 
Andrew Fuller and a group of men founded what later became known as the Baptist Missionary Society in 1792, as William Carey was writing about what it means to make disciples of all nations. And that's the group who took responsibility for sending William Carey first, but then later on many, many missionaries to all parts of the world. And Andrew Fuller, more than anybody else, felt the, the burden of what it meant to send somebody to the mission field, to send them with just clothes on their back and just support to go and do the work of missions. Uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew Fuller was a pastor, but did a lot of other ministry in, around England. And uh, the few people that got around William Carey, uh, they, they talked about what it was like to send him out. And they wrote this, at one point they wrote down the story uh, of their time together. They said, our undertaking to India really appeared to me on its commencement to be somewhat like a few men who were deliberating about the importance of penetrating deep into a mine which had never been explored. And we had no one to guide us. And while we were thus deliberating, William Carey, as it were, said, Well, I will go down if you will hold the rope. But before he went down, he said, as it seemed to me, he took an oath from each one of us at the mouth of the pit to this effect, that while we lived we should never let go of the rope. Never let go of the rope. Andrew Fuller was kind of the leader of that group who took charge, kind of the, the front man in line, so to speak, of, of holding on to that rope for William Carey and many, many other missionaries. So Andrew Fuller spent an enormous amount of time being kind of the lead promoter and thinker and writer and fundraiser for this society as they were sending out missionaries and he served in that role for 21 years. And he would travel all across the, across the region, giving reports from the mission field and raising support so these people could go and share the gospel. Andrew Fuller held the rope so the missionaries could go down into the pit. Today, I, I want to challenge you to one of three things, at least one, maybe more. One, if, if you don't yet know Christ as Lord, then hear the good news of the gospel that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. You can turn from your sins today and you can have the delight and the joy that we share in in knowing Jesus as Savior. And number two, if you do know Jesus, then I invite you to be praying about which of these you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be either go or send, and sometimes both. John, John Piper, one of his uh, missions uh, books, says, really, you've got three options. You can either go, you can send, or you can be disobedient. That's your only options when it comes to missions as a Christian. So be praying about that. Are you supposed to go? Are you supposed to send? Or are you going to be disobedient? Today, we have the privilege of, as a church family, as a very tangible way of expressing a way we're going to send some people to the mission field. God's been raising up the Cook family for some time. And so we, as a church, are going to come around them today so that uh, come the end of December, just a couple days after Christmas, we can ship them out to the mission field uh, and as they go uh, as missionaries. And so I wanted you to hear uh, more about that and what that looks like. So for the, for the remainder of our time today, I've invited Alex to come. And I'm going to ask him some things about what the Lord's doing. Sound good, Alex? Yes. You want a seat? Appreciate it. All right, Alex, uh, many of these people know you, but some probably don't know you quite as well as others. 
so how long have you been uh, a part of Infinity Church? Uh, I've been here for a long time, uh, basically since the beginning. Um, there was uh, several families got together, and really Infinity started praying together in a, in a house in Fountain Inn, and we were there. That's when we started coming to Infinity. That's awesome. So before Infinity was Infinity, really, uh, you were there. Now, uh, some people uh, that have been here maybe more recently say, that sounds great, but uh, we hadn't seen you, bud. <laughs> so you've been, you've, been, uh, you've been backsliding? Where you been? <laughs> yeah, like you're a terrible member. Where yeah. have we seen you for the last two and a half years? Uh, yeah, um, we, uh, we prayed about this a long time. Uh, somebody reached out to me. I used to work at Camp McCall. It's a Christian camp up in Pickens, South Carolina. And about three years ago, someone reached out to me and said, hey, would you pray about would you think about coming to work in at Camp McCall? And I said, no. And he said, well, pray about it. And so I said, okay. And I, I got home and I was telling Candace about it. And she said, let's do it. I said, oh man, I got to pray about it now. <laughs> and so I uh, prayed about it. God was totally calling us to Camp McCall and uh, been serving up there for two and a half years as a facilities director, uh, cutting grass, fixing broken things and getting onto the staff for breaking things. And, uh, but the real reason I'm there is I, I get to disciple those guys, those, uh, the 20 year olds, uh, who are going to be McCall staffers, being able to, to meet with them and, and disciple them. That's the real reason I'm there. Yeah. And it's been a great, uh, a great transition for them as they've been praying about the mission field. And it's been nice that it's only a little over an hour away, depending on who's driving. Uh, and we get to still hang out with the Cook family periodically. So thank you for being here. Um, so tell us just a little bit of your story. How, how did you become, how did you become a Christian, Alex? Um, I actually wrestle with this. Um, and cause I made a profession of faith at a really young age when I was like five years old. And, uh, and my, my mom, it was an Easter. She, <clears throat> she explained the gospel to me and it's that, that the good news that like, yeah, I didn't understand the depths of the gospel, but, um, I understood that I'm a sinner. Christ was God. He paid for my sin on the cross. I deserve that death. And uh, he came back from the grave. He conquered death. And everyone who trusted in him will be saved. And so, <clears throat> but there was not a whole lot of fruit in my life um, after that for several years. And so until about six years ago, seven years ago, um, when God really got a, a hold of me, um, that's when real fruit came. And so like I've heard Puritan writers uh, write this and say that uh, the profession of my faith was at a young age, but the fruit of my salvation, the evidence of my salvation wasn't until later in life. So I honestly don't know. I, I think I'll find out when I get to glory, like yeah. when, I, when I get saved. I, I don't know. I know I made a profession of faith at a young age, but the fruit of that, the evidence didn't come until yeah. later in life. Yeah. And that's how you know you're saved is evidence. Yeah. And so many of you that have uh, been a part of uh, the, the Cook's family, Cook's uh, lives for, for more than six years have seen the transformation uh, in Alex and in, and in their whole family and the way God's moved and borne fruit through them. And um, we, I know uh, a buddy of ours talks about how, you know, hey, I, I came to faith before Alex, but he just went, <clears throat> blew right on past me, you know, all the things he learned and grew, and uh, it's been awesome to watch. Um, so, Alex, tell us a little bit about kind of your journey with missions. When, when did you sense God calling you uh, to the mission field kind of full-time, more than just uh, short-term trips <clears throat> yeah uh i've always kind of felt that call um in my life um to the mission field and I, I always told people i was like yeah i feel called to the foreign mission field to what degree i don't know 
and and not until uh, this last few years it really solidified it like even that six seven year ago mark um right after that time where god really got a hold of my heart i went to guatemala with several people in here and uh, after i went on that trip it was like i could not go like I felt like I was being, being disobedient if I didn't go on a foreign mission trip, like every year. And so there would be times where I'd just go by myself. And throughout that, and, and then going to school and learning more, um, it just, it, it, God kept confirming it in all these little ways that just kept adding up um, to where people around me, uh, pastors, um, people over me, uh, even our, our, my family, um, it was confirmed through all of that. Every, every trip I've been on with Alex, uh, I can kind of set my watch by it. Somewhere uh, within the last 24 hours of the trip, Alex is going to turn to me and say, hey, I just got to check this, like, see if this is just like a missionary high thing. Like when you're, he's, he always asks me, like, when you're here, do you feel like you're supposed to stay here, like all the time? And uh, I'm like, no, I, I, I know where my calling is, and uh, I feel, you know, feel sure of that, and God's affirming that. I'm supposed to be here this week, and I'm supposed to go back. And he's like, okay, because when I'm here, I feel like I'm supposed to stay here. And I just need to decide, like, is this just because I'm, like, caught up in it? I'm like, no, man, I think, I think that's the Lord pushing you, you know? And so that's been pretty cool. Uh, so you are headed to Mexico eventually. Uh, so tell us, wait, I was supposed to ask that. Hey, where are you heading? No, you're going to Mexico. Uh, well, it's, it's on the board. Yeah, you... that's, how I, that's how I knew. That's how I knew. Uh, where, Answers tell are on us, the board. Tell us where in Mexico and why, why, why that area? Why, why there? Um, uh, that's a long story. Short answer. Um, Okay, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, I try not to be too long in answering this, but um, just praying about it, praying about it, I've felt called to uh, Central America, Latin America, and, 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 and as we... Uh, man, there's no way to make this a short answer. So I, I kept going to trips to Guatemala, building houses with the Master's Mission. And as I was doing that... I. I reached out to Daryl, who heads up the Master's Mission, and I said to him, this was one trip where I just went by myself, and we were on, a, I was, had a layover in Texas, and I was talking to him, giving him a recap of the trip I was on, telling him uh, what I was able to do, and I just said in passing, I said, you know, it's great what we're doing in Guatemala. Uh, I see, like it says in First John, if you see your brother in need, you have the means to help him, and you don't, how can the love of God be inside of you? And I was like, that's what we're doing. Guatemala is the poorest of the poor. Like, people are making $2 a day. That's what they're living off of in Guatemala. And, like, we're building houses for them. Like, that's good. I said, but it's reached. Like, everywhere we go, there's churches. And I said, and I just, I feel like we're lacking that component of the Great Commission. Go to everywhere, every nation, every tribe, every language. Plant churches, preach the gospel in unreached areas. And so I just kind of said that in passing. Um... And then about a few months later, he reached out to me. He said, well, we are looking at sending the joy boxes to this new area where it's unreached in Mexico. Would you think about going just to see as a vision trip, see if this is going to be a good fit for the master's mission? And I went and I saw it firsthand, like unreached, like people groups, like where we're going to Mexico is basically the modern day Mayans and Aztecs. And there's still unreached people groups where they don't have churches there's nobody reaching them. And so we were able to go through some of those areas and see firsthand. I, like, it turned into an evangelistic campaign while we were there. We preached the gospel and saw hundreds of people make a profession of faith. But when I left, there was nobody there to disciple them. 
And so <clears throat> through that and that and a lot of other things, I saw the need um, and the, the calling to go and stay there, to do that discipleship, to plant more churches in unreached areas. That's awesome. Um, so tell us a little about, you're, you're going with another ministry that some of the people have met here. Uh, who, who are you going with, partnering with on the ground in Mexico? Yes, we are going with Esperanza Ministries, and um, that's a missionary and his family. They've lived in this area of Mexico for 20-something years, and um, we're going to go partner with them and because uh, they're doing it the right way. They're planting churches. They're seeking to train these people, uh, these indigenous people, uh, to have a theological education, to become pastors and missionaries and send them into other unreached areas. And so we, we're not going to go recreate the will when there's somebody there already doing it. And so we want to go partner with them and strengthen what they're doing. Um, their, uh, their organization, it's just really them and their family and a few indigenous pastors. Um, it's called Esperanza. And uh, Esperanza is the Spanish word for hope. And so... As uh, and I always say this to kind of explain because the word hope in Spanish is a little bit different than the way we use it in English. So, like, as a South Carolina Gamecock fan, like, hope is, like, I feel hopeless right now. Um, <laughs> there's probably a few Clemson fans that feel hopeless right now, too. Um, but so, like, every time in the past, you know, five years that we played Clemson, I said, I hope we beat them. But that was like, there's no confidence there. In, Esperan in Spanish, Esperanza, the word hope means to confident, confidently wait on. So if you're waiting on a bus, use the word Esperanza, um, waiting for the bus. It's not like I hope it gets here the way we use it in English, like wishful thinking. It's like I know it's coming from past experience, from the evidence, like I know it's coming. And that's the more biblical definition of hope, that I know it's coming from past experiences, from the evidence, I know it's coming. So Esperanza means hope to the hopeless. In Mexico, there's uh, a, a lot of racism with those indigenous people, those Native Americans. And so they, like if some of those people who are Aztec Mayan feel called to be a missionary pastor, like they have nowhere to go. They don't have access to any theological training. And so one thing that Esperanza is passionate about is providing these people with just basic theological education. And that's one of the things that we're going to do. So Esperanza means hope for the hopeless. And that's the hope in the gospel, but then also providing things for them. Yeah, that's really cool. So if you were here uh, in August, uh, that family, the Watson family was here. Uh, Brandon preached for us that day. And so what's pretty cool about uh, our ministry, we've been supporting Esperanza, Hope, hope Ministries in Mexico, uh, with sending teams uh, about once a year. We've sent, we send them monthly support to, to financially uh, bless their ministry. And so uh, as of 2022, we're also sending them a whole family. <laughs> and so this is pretty cool, just the ongoing partnership uh, that we have uh, with, with Hope, with, with Esperanza Ministry. Um, so Alex, feel free to take a minute on this one, because this is really the, kind of the, the meat uh, uh, of what you're doing. Tell us what you're going to be doing in, in Mexico when you're there. You're going with this ministry. There's, there's unreached people there. What are you going to be doing when you're, when you're in Mexico? Yeah, um... What we have, we've laid out three goals that we're going to be striving for. Every single thing that we do will come out of these three goals. And I really already have been talking about them. Number one is reach the unreached. 
go to unreached areas, places where those communities, those villages, they don't have the gospel. They don't have churches. Like, go to there and plant churches through preaching, preaching the word. Um, two, second goal, is to partner with Esperanza Ministries to help create, further create this theological education, this mentorship, discipleship program to provide theological education for these indigenous peoples. It's goal two. Goal three, we started a coffee business, and we're using the coffee business to, Lord willing, we want to send other missionaries. And so we made it a business, not a nonprofit, strategically so we can get into other countries where they may not allow Christian nonprofits in, but they'll let a Christian business in. And so we're going to use capitalism to send missionaries, Lord willing. And so we have a 5, 10, 20-year goal to send missionary to Guatemala, then somewhere in South America, Venezuela, Colombia, Peru, and then um, we're praying about it, um, maybe India, maybe Asia, some of those more hard, harder countries. And so that three goals, that's why we're doing this. Everything that we do is it's going to be for those three goals, planting churches in unreached areas, uh, helping create theological education, and then using the coffee business to send missionaries. Yeah, and so we, we can really get behind uh, the importance of the local church. Uh, like you said, we've been on the mission field where, hey, you come share the gospel, but then you got to leave, and there's nobody here to, to help you know, encourage these believers. And so by sending people that are on the ground you know, year-round, we're saying, hey, this isn't just like a flash in the pan, you pray a prayer, and then we're out of here. It's We want to see you forming healthy churches and growing, maturing, like if you were here last week, talk about maturing in Christ. And we, we want to see that not just at infinity, but all around when we do missions, it's not just about an emotional decision. It's about growing healthy churches on the mission field. And uh, that's really what, what they're about. And so that's pretty awesome. Um, now, Alex, you are being sent out from Infinity Church and other individuals and a church in Pickens. You are not going with a mission-sending organization uh, some people may be familiar with the, <coughs> excuse me, the International Mission Board, uh, which is the Southern Baptist Convention's missionary sending agency. Uh, so, talk just uh, briefly about that, about what that looks like. Um, what, explain that decision to to come out of the local church instead of the IMB. Yeah. Well, even if you're going through the IMB, you should be sent out of a local church. Yeah. That's the biblical way that we see in the New Testament. Like missionaries are sent out of local churches. And, um, and, and the, the IMB believes that as yep. well. Yep. And so the IMB is an awesome organization. In fact, um, as I was praying about becoming a missionary, that was my goal was to go through the IMB. I started going to school to fulfill the requirements to go through them. And as I prayed about it, God kept shutting those doors. Um, and so a lot of times, like short answer, um, I'll tell people like, why aren't you going to IMB? Uh, and I say, kind of short answer is, they're not sending people where I'm going. And it's no fault to the IMB. It's a big world. They can't send everybody everywhere. And so, um, so we, we're going to somewhere where we feel God calling us to this place, and they're not sending anybody there right now. And so that's really short answer is yeah. God is shutting those doors to go that way, and he wants us to go to this area, and um, he's provided this, the, the other means to partner with Esperanza to do it. Yeah. Yeah, so it was pretty neat the way this door opened, but he did shut the IMB door. And I, I'd say that, asked Alex about that now, because um, there can be kind of this false, it, it's always supposed to be through the local church, but sometimes with a mission sending organization, 
the church kind of leans on the, the, the mission sending organization and forgets how important the local church is to the missionary. And so even though as of, you know, the end of December, we won't see them here. They, they can't be here. They're going to be there. Uh, we are still, they're still part of our church family. We are the ones responsible. We're sending them to the mission field. And so we've been in discussions uh, with the Cook family and praying with them uh, about what this looks like. And so the elders, we've already been working on the 2022 budget. And so uh, if, you've, if you've been around the church, you know how our missions budget works. And we uh, have made a promise to the Cook family that as, as of now, we are monthly supporting their ministry uh, in their missions. So it's not just that we're praying and, you know, hoping uh, that you're going to do great. We, we want to be, be tangibly behind them in supporting uh, their ministry. And so when you, um, when you give to Infinity Church, you, part of what one of the ministries you're supporting is the ministry, the missions uh, of, the, of the Cook family, uh, which I will talk more in just a second. So, Alex, tell us about what it looks like. Yes, uh, the leadership, we have said we're going to, support you and we're going to we're going to be behind it what what does it look like for infinity church to hold the rope for the cook family um i'd like to answer that in two ways um one is just kind of like the way to think about it and honestly like what you just preached on hit that and and what i'm about to say i'm not saying like infinity doesn't do this well because i think they do like we've had the heartbeat of missions from in the dna from the beginning um and so so, but what I have seen in other churches is this disconnect from missionaries and church. And, and so I just want to echo what, what Philip's just been preaching on, is that what's, what's the purpose of the church? And um, I remember asking Candace this one time, and she said, it's God's people binding together for the great commission and the greatest commandment. Now, I think she got it from Matt Chandler, so it wasn't purely but i was like wow my wife is so wise um and so but it is it's god's people binding together for the uh, greatest commandments love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and the great commission go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father spirit and son teaching them to observe all that i've commanded you and so it's not that we should separate church from missions they're like they're one in the same and it's like, uh, and that's why our, 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 our values, advanced, abide, applaud. That's what that's all about. Applaud God, love God with all your heart. Abide in him, grow in God, and advance the kingdom. And the Great Commission says it's everywhere, every nation. And so, and that, the word, if you study the word nation there, is talking about like ethno people. And so it's not talking about like the United States nation. It's talking about like the Cherokee nation the Navajo Nation, these distinct people groups that have their own culture. We're called, that's the biblical defi definition of nation. We're called to go to all those, everywhere, simultaneously. Yes, we're going to be a representation of Christ here where we're at, but we need to be mindful of all people groups. And so I say all that to say um, when we are gone, like we don't want to be gone from, from your, your thoughts and your prayers. Um, so I want you to see it as, and, and like I said, I don't think there's a problem here with this, but I, I, I don't want there to be a disconnect. I, we are an extension of this local church, expanding and preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth. We are not separate from infinity in what we are doing. Um, so that's the mindset. The second thing is practical. What does that actually look like? 
Um, and so I see that as support um, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that's what we see in the New Testament. That's what Paul was asking for from the local churches. If in Romans, um, throughout the New Testament, he, he would ask for a coat. He would ask for funding from local churches. In Romans, at the end of it, he asked that he would be helped on his way to Spain to an unreached people group. Um, and so uh, that physical and then emotional, he, he has to be encouraged by the local church. And then spiritual, he asked for prayer. The Apostle Paul asked for prayer to preach the gospel. And so those are the things that, that we ask for because we want to do it biblically. Yeah. Awesome. Amen. Um, we know you may want to stay in touch with the, the Cook family. So uh, at the bottom of your sermon notes page, I put Alex's email address. Uh, and if you will, you can even do it right now. This is your permission to use your phone in church if you need to. If you'll just send a, a, a message to that email address, you'll get on their newsletter that they're going to send out, and you can have a way to be in touch with them. Um, and uh, a part of that is that uh, if you, so when you give to Infinity, one of the things you're supporting is the, is the Cook family. But if over and above that, you do want to financially partner with them uh, through, that, through that email in the newsletter that you'll find through that way, there is a way you can do that. Some, that that's something God lays in your heart, and you want to say, hey, I want to support them above and beyond uh, what the church is doing, then you can, you, we, we encourage that, and they would love and appreciate your support. Um, Alex, I've got one thing to wrap up. Do you want to, anything you want to add to that, what we've said so far? Awesome. I, uh, I, want, to, I want to end with one more missionary story. And uh, it, it's somebody who came long before, long before Alex, long before uh, William Carey and Andrew Fuller. Uh, this missionary was the greatest missionary ever. His name was Jesus. Uh, he came and left the comfort of his home, and he had all the riches, everything that he needed, uh, and he had it all. And yet he gave it up so that he could come and he could share good news with a group of people who were lost. That is all of humanity. And of course, when Jesus did that, he did it in the ultimate way. He died paying the debt we deserved to pay. And he did that to give us life so that we could have the joy of walking with our Heavenly Father for all of eternity. He's the greatest missionary ever. And at the end of his life, he told his disciples in John 20, 21, As the Father sent me, so I send you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. So we send the Cook family. The Cook family goes. We go to other places we're going to the Ukraine in January. We're sending the joy boxes in January to Mexico. We go to all these different places, not because we've got to or just feel obligated. It's because we've received the greatest missionary, and he transformed our lives. And we want to go and share that with other people. And so it's a blessing to be able to, to be a part of that. Uh, I, did, I did want to mention uh, one other ministry uh, today that as, as the cooks uh, are in this process uh, they uh, are doing this with us, and then there's a ministry that's helping them called Partner 1015. And uh, so I met Warren and Allison Payton, is that right, uh, that came uh, on, their, on behalf of them. And so we'll share more with this ministry. This ministry is going to help uh, the cooks on the, mission, on the mission field because they're not with a mission-sending organization. And so we're really grateful for uh, Partner 1015, grateful for you all being here uh, to support the Cook family. And we know it's going to be great to work with you. All right, well, I want to invite uh, the band uh, to come up and lead us in our closing song of worship. Uh, and as they do, I'm going to pray uh, over Alex. Uh, Candice, do you want to join me up here as we do that? Uh, and as we do this, one of the things that's really uh, that God has laid on Alex and Candice's heart in this process is that uh, they would not be the only missionaries that are ever sent out of infinity. And we know we, uh, 
uh, with Nate and Alina that, have, that had come out of here and served in Israel for a number of years. So it's not the only missionaries ever that have been a part of here, but we also don't want them to be the last. And so we prayed that they are helping open up an avenue that more people would come through infinity and be sent out uh, to the nations. So I'm going to pray that and pray over y'all as y'all prepare to go. Let's pray. God, thank you for the chance to be uh, worshiping you today alongside uh, the cooks. God, we know that they have got uh, a few months left of preparations. God, they've got language school coming up uh, in Guatemala for the first six months before they move to Mexico. And so, Lord, we pray that you would continue to provide uh, for all those logistics and all the, the work that's going in. And God, I, would continue, I pray that you continue to supply the support and the encouragement uh, that they need in this process uh, and that you would send them out and that you would bear much fruit. God, as we uh, have, have known many missionaries and, and read of their stories and hear their testimonies, God, we know that the work can be slow and it can be painful and it can be discouraging. And so, God, I just pray that you would surround them with uh, love and encouragement, that they would be able to persevere and that you would bear much fruit in your time uh, through their ministry. God, I pray for all those that are uh, gathered here today, those that may watch this later on online. God, that for each of us, we would be crying out to you for salvation and that in response to receiving you, the greatest missionary ever, God, that you would stir in our hearts to know whether we are supposed to be the ones going to the nations or whether we're supposed to be helping send others to the nations. God, move us even today, to respond in obedience, not because we have to, we had a great joy and great privilege, great delight in knowing you and honoring you. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.